It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Today we're going to talk about a couple different things and we're going to start with a what if. We're carrying over our what if series, but it is a timely what if. And then we're going to talk about what's going on with COVID-19 because we did have some updates in terms of policy and in terms of news. Before we get to that, though, in a conversation with Jason Wildey, former Packers receiver Jordy Nelson said that before the 2019 campaign, he went to Aaron Rodgers, their friends. They had a conversation about Nelson coming back. And Nelson says that Rodgers knew that if the Packers wanted Nelson back, Nelson would come back. Instead, Nelson retired. And it doesn't matter, really, what would be different about the season if Nelson had come back and played in 2019. Because I don't think much would be different. They still would not have been able to close the gap with San Francisco in all likelihood. And I I don't think... Much would be different about how we view the season. The difference is, number one, it would have been really fun. It would have been really fun to have Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson reunited, much like James Jones and Aaron Rodgers after a brief stint with the Raiders, and to make one last run at it, to go after it one more time. Because let's be honest, that could have been, 2019 could have been the last hurrah The last dance, to borrow a pop culture of the moment reference. This is something that the Packers missed out on. The fans missed out on. It doesn't matter the efficacy of making that move or the wisdom of making that move to the fans. They wanted to see it. You know who else wanted to see it? Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson. To be able to have that opportunity to get the, the 2019 season, 
It's not like Nelson would have detracted from the chemistry that that team built. And who are the young receivers that he would have kept from developing? Marquez Valdez-Scantling got hurt and seemed to lose his confidence. Geronimo Allison atrophied to a level that I think is really remarkable. Alan Lazard was able to step up a little bit, but that was after you know Darius Shepard flamed out. A lot of different EQ gets hurt. He wouldn't have taken up anyone's spot. I think this leads us to a more important question, actually. And that is, were the Packers wise to have moved on from Jordy Nelson at the time? And at the time, I understood the move. I said, look, they have young talent on the roster. They have Devontae Adams. He's ascending. They go out and they draft three guys. And you want to see what you have. You want to develop some younger players for the end of Aaron Rodgers' career and whatever comes next. And if guys like Equinemius St. Brown and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Alan Lazard start to pop, and in a year, two years, three years with Jordan Love, those guys are legitimate frontline players, even if none of them are true number ones, then maybe you can say, okay, in the long-term view, moving on from Jordy Nelson, jump-started the development of those players. It is impossible to say, particularly given the benefit of hindsight, and that's the deal here. That's what we're doing. We're looking back. It is impossible to defend the decision that Brian Gutekinds made to move on from Jordy Nelson to sign Jimmy Graham. It was a bit odd at the time, but I thought, look, the, the Seahawks had relegated Jimmy Graham to a red zone only role. He was in an offense that was a little bit anachronistic. And so in a more modern offense, he would be a real player. I was wrong about that. It is easy to see now. Keeping Jordy Nelson and allowing him to play a little bit more in that slot with Devontae Adams on the outside or even having each of those guys out there in two receiver sets would have been better than having Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham made this team worse. He was sub-replacement level. He actively made the Packers worse, whereas Jordy Nelson would not have hurt the team. He might not have helped the team that much at an advanced age, probably third down, probably in the red zone, he helps them. But he certainly is not going to hurt the team as Jimmy Graham had. And then you extend that further. You look at 2019. Geronimo Allison and Jimmy Graham actively hurt the Packers' offense. So if you're replacing their snaps with Jordy Nelson's, now we don't know you know, if he stays healthy, getting up there in age, what the situation is, all sorts of things go differently if Jordy Nelson is on this team. But he would have performed in all likelihood at a higher level than those players, and therefore the decision is a bad one. And again, with the benefit of hindsight, it's, it's easier to say, yeah, it was a bad decision at the time. Certainly, the outcome says that they made a mistake. Jimmy Graham was done, and in fact, what we saw in Seattle was an accurate reflection of what he could be and indicated a decline of a player who used to be really good and was no longer really good. The Bears are going to be round three of, well, we actually think he can be good. Good luck to the Bears on that one. And I do think it's important that we interrogate this other question, and that is, does it change the outcome of the season? Are things different? And, and I know that the easy fan response is, well, they probably beat the Eagles. 
Devontae Adams gets hurt. They don't have anyone else to throw the ball to. Darius Shepard, you know, struggles, can't can't do much of anything. MVS has the ball bounce off his shoulder pad. Darius Shepard has the ball bounce off his helmet. And the Packers offense can't get the the points that they need late in the game. They lose. Okay. That's probably true. Jordy Nelson might help them win that game. But we can't assume Ceteris Paribus from there. We can't assume everything else is the same. We just can't. So let's say they win that game. Do they win in Dallas the next week? Do they get the same breaks? The season is different. It's not, okay, well, they, they beat the Eagles and now they're a 14-2 team. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. And it doesn't work that way for myriad reasons, not the least of which is if you are fighting for your playoff lives. You know, if you're going to San Francisco not caring about the outcome, does it change the outcome? If you go to L.A. not caring about the outcome, does it change the outcome? If you face the Lions and you already beat the Eagles and you're down to Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling on one leg, if Jordy Nelson is there, do they take as an aggressive attack? Because I think there's no question Aaron Rodgers was just slinging the ball deep to try and create something. To try, He knew he could not march the ball down the field eight plays, 80 yards. He knew that was an untenable solution. So he's just chucking the ball deep. Well, Jordy Nelson isn't that guy anymore and hasn't been that guy for a number of years. Maybe they lose that game instead of winning it. The Packers were fraudulent is the wrong word, but they were not a 13 and 3 with team by quality. Okay, they were a 10 win team by quality that got lucky in a couple of games late and needed a little bit of magic, a little bit of luck, some calls, those kinds of things. Jordy Nelson doesn't close the gap with the 49ers. They don't go to San Francisco and suddenly win because they have Jordy Nelson. And it had become clear over the last few years of his career that the easiest way to take Jordy Nelson out of a game was to press him. He did not like to be pressed. Struggled to make contested catches later in his career. So he was not the kind of guy that was going to be Larry Fitzgerald late career. Just wasn't in him. A great Packer. A modern legend. A future Packer Hall of Famer. But I also think we have to be honest about what he was at this point in his career. And if we're being honest, he was, he was a solid player. He had a solid season for Oakland. And, and solid, maybe that's enough. If you replace Geronimo Allison's snaps, and he still played 60-plus percent of snaps, with just a solid player, the offense probably looks better. They probably go three and out less often. And maybe that gives the defense a chance to be on the field less Gives them an opportunity to play the run better in the second half, especially because they're not as tired. There are all kinds of trickle-down effects here, but we can't assume that the difference in the Packers season, oh, if they just add Jordy Nelson, we can just take the 13-3 and and add on top. It just doesn't work that way. Now, would it have been impossibly fun? Yes. Would it have been great with important games on the line, Devontae Adams goes out for a month, and the Packers have to go in the wayback machine with Rodgers and Jordy Nelson and find ways to win games. But for all of the criticisms that fans had of the Devontae Adams experience last year and forcing the ball to him, imagine what those four weeks look like without Adams if Nelson is also on the field. You don't think Rodgers is going to force the ball to Jordy Nelson in those situations? Does that make the offense worse? That's the logic. 
That's your logic. <laughs> this is I'm not even saying this. This is the logic that fans use to say, oh, Devontae Adams, he gets the ball too much. Aaron Rodgers focuses too much on him. And when, when Adams was out, he was able to just play within the realm of the offense. Well, if Jordy Nelson is on the field, he's not going to do the thing that you want him to do, and that's just distribute the ball because Nelson's out there, and he trusts Jordy Nelson. So I just I don't think it all plays out quite the way that, that fans would like to think, but this is the rose-colored glasses that we now view former players with, and it is the way we view our past. We like to think of it in the most positive light possible, and okay, you add Jordy Nelson to a 13-3 and team, let's go. Who knows what happens? Maybe they score early against San Francisco. Maybe they do go 14-2 and and that championship game is at Lambeau instead of in the Bay. I feel pretty confident that it doesn't materially change the outcome of the season, but it certainly would have been the kind of thing that would have made for a fitting send-off to one of the team's great players of the modern age. And that would have been fun. And you know what isn't fun? Trying to buy parts for your car. Right now, Rock Auto is trying to change all that. With the increasing number of makes and models, it's nearly impossible to stock all of the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. So why narrow your focus so much? RockAuto.com can give you everything you need, and you don't have to wander the aisles of some big box store getting obtuse explanations from staffers who don't really care about you because they know you don't know what you're talking about. And that's okay at Rock Auto. They're here to help, and the best part is their prices are reliably low. They're not the kind of place that is going to give a different price for do-it-yourselfers than they will to professional mechanics. Reliably low prices is part of the deal at Rock Auto. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store there is big news on the nfl front around the coronavirus and the restart of the season and two big pieces that came out of Tom Pelissero's reporting yesterday and on a call with agents that, that happened between NFLPA Executive Director DeMaurice Smith and player reps. And on that call, Smith said that a season without fans would have at least a $3 billion impact on revenue and that that could potentially have deleterious effects on the salary cap in 2021. $3 billion is a lot. 
So this is something that the NFL is going to have to get sorted out. They're going to have to go back to the table. They're going to have to bargain and figure this out. And there are some remedies. Um, We talked a little bit about them yesterday. And, you know, could they have an uncapped season? Could they go to a cap smoothing period where they're betting on the come with a new deal coming in, in 2022 at the latest? Those are things that that could be discussed and could be executed. We don't know. But this gives you an idea of what the urgency is to get football back on the field and to try and recuperate some of those potential lost costs. It is why the NFL has said, hey, we're, we're trying to operate as business as usual because billions of dollars are at stake. Is that the best way to handle player safety, coach safety, fan safety? No. I mean, just flat out, no. This is not a, a matter of opinion. This is not, you know, reasonable people can agree to disagree. No, 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 no. The insistence on playing, if it is not safe to do so, and we don't know right now if it will be, in search of money is not in the best interest of the players or the coaches, at least not physically. Now, if there is a situation where, okay, they're going to test these guys three days a week, which sounds like that's the deal, and they're going to be very diligent about the testing and insist that the players are as quarantined as they can be, but they're still going to theoretically travel for games. They're still going to have to get groceries. They're still going to have to get food. And this is going to create issues. And we are faced with some of the issues it could create when we found out that Ezekiel Elliott was one of the players in Texas, a number of Cowboys and Texans tested positive, according to reports, for COVID-19. And that throws into stark understanding what it could look like if a star player tests positive and has to sit out. If the Cowboys are in the midst of a playoff chase and Dak Prescott gets the coronavirus and has to sit for two weeks, it could cost them games. That's true for any team with a star player. So teams are going to want to institute the strictest protocols that they can to keep their guys safe because the NFL cannot afford a Rudy Gobert situation. They have to be prepared to have protocols in place that protect teams, that protect players, and they have to say, okay, if someone tests positive, then we need to make sure no one else has it, that it hasn't been spread to anyone else on the team, coaches, etc. and then that player's got to sit. They've got to be quarantined. They've got to be out indefinitely until they're better. And, th- and then we have to ask questions about antibody tests and all those things. And, and this is before we even deal with, you know, the ethics of NFL players getting three tests a week when the average person can't even get one in some places. We don't even have to account for that right now because we're trying to figure out the NFL side of this. But that is certainly something that will be part of the discussion moving forward. The NFL has a problem, and it's not as big as baseball's problem where we don't even know if we're going to get a season. The owners and the players have nowhere close to an agreement, and now basketball is having an issue. Okay, do NBA players think that going back and playing is potentially hurtful to the social justice movement that has arisen out of what is first quarantine and now the protests 
and the killing of George Floyd. That was how this started. This is a moment. That's their position. This is a moment. And everyone's focus is on this one thing. And if we go back to playing basketball, that changes the focus of the discussion. Could NFL players have the same sort of feeling? We don't know because we haven't heard from anyone. We have heard from guys like Baker Mayfield who said they'll kneel. We know that there's going to be those kinds of impacts going forward. But all of that stuff comes secondary to are we going to have a season? Is it going to be safe for guys to be out there? We still don't have good answers for that. And we certainly don't have good answers for how the NFL is going to go about putting fans in the seats. It is not going to be safe from a public health standpoint to put 70,000 people in a confined space, even if it's outside. And certainly not in Minnesota, New Orleans, Atlanta, Houston, places with indoor stadiums, Arizona, there's a bunch. So how do you recoup that $3 billion? Do you push the season back? Do you try and find some other outlets of revenue? Do you, you know, there are there are only so many things this game can try to be. There's only so many avenues toward creating revenue. And so the teams are faced with a difficult decision. The players are faced with a difficult decision. And the league is going to try and make this all as safe as possible, or at least that's the theory. We assume they're going to do that. But is it going to be enough? What if Aaron Rodgers says, nah, I'm not playing? If if Odell Beckham says, I'm not playing? Because Kyrie Irving is, is saying, I don't want to play. Now, he's saying, I don't want to play for different reasons. But that's not to say Patrick Mahomes couldn't come out tomorrow and say, look, if there's not a vaccine, I'm not playing. I'm not playing because I'm not playing in front of empty stadiums. Because that's that is that is best case scenario right now. Given the, the medical science at our disposal is empty stadiums and players being tested constantly. That's what you know soccer in Europe has done. It is what the PGA Tour has done. And yes, there are going to be other states that are open, but not open to 70,000 people. You know, Wisconsin is working through the phases, but there is just no way possible I can fathom that they would say, yeah, sure, have 70,000 people at Lambeau Field. It is just untenable. And until we have a solution for that, not only is it up in the air whether or not that can happen, of course, but all of this money and all of the impacts of that are also looming over this season. And we don't have reasonable, even baseline answers for how the league is going to deal with that. And it could be a problem for teams in 2021. Everyone is going to have salary cap crunches because $3 billion is no joke. Revenue sharing is a big deal, especially to teams like the Packers who work out of a small market like Green Bay. They have reserves. Mark Murphy said, hey, you know, we can we can figure this out. That doesn't mean that they're going to be great doesn't mean that they're going to be fine. It doesn't mean that they could compete with the Cowboys if there's an uncapped season in 2021. It could make it easier to keep Aaron Rodgers. And that's part of this discussion that certainly we can have if that is what comes to pass. But right now we're just seeing early signs of the potential problems that the league is facing. And I don't think we can say with confidence that there is going to be a season that starts on time. And let's start there. I don't think we can say with confidence there will be a season that starts on time. 
I don't think we can say with confidence that there will be a 16-game season. I don't think we can say with confidence there will be fans in the seats. In fact, right now I would bet against it, even with the revenue losses. They will try and find a way to make up for it. Maybe this will be, hey, let's let's play an extra game or two to try and recoup some of that stuff, and you can sell it to media, and, and you're, re- you're recouping that money. Mm, probably not going to work. But they're going to have to bargain something. This is, this is going to have to be figured out. And according to DeMaurice Smith, they've already started the bargaining to try and figure that out, but this is tough. They're in a really difficult position. And you're always... And you're often in a difficult position when you're trying to find something healthy to eat that also tastes delicious. Well, no more, because Built Bar is here to save you from your average, everyday, disgusting protein bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. 16 amazing flavors, all of them covered with 100% chocolate. They're all soft and easy to chew. They can help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're all low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. All of the latest technological advances of modern medical science, bioengineering, everything that goes into these incredible marvels. And if you want to taste, and you do want to taste, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. Today's episode is also brought to you by the U.S. Army. If you're looking to make an impact, there's no better place to do it than the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to fight and cure diseases, develop technologies, or seek adventures across the globe, the Army is where all of that can happen and so much more. The Army is a team of a million individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation, in the world, and to win. Ask yourself what's your warrior and text ALPL to 462769 to find out. That's ALPL to 462769. All right, before we finish up, it is worth noting that the Packers open the complex for the first time to the public. You can go into the Packers store, pick up some merchandise. You do need to be wearing a mask, and this is a sign of normalcy. And luckily in Wisconsin, the numbers for the coronavirus are are decent, hospitalizations are down even though cases are up and part of that is because of the improved testing so it seems like people in Wisconsin are being responsible right now there are, it seems like the only the only people being responsible exist in a, in a handful of places because this is this is getting worse a lot of places and so we don't know how that's going to affect what goes on in the NFL because what if Texas continues to get worse if Florida continues to get worse and you've got multiple teams there what if the NFL says, okay, those teams can't travel? I mean, we could we could legit be talking about a season that is 10, 12 games and 16 or 20 teams because of the, the virus being so bad in the fall. We think, epidemiologists think, there's going to be a, a respike, or at least not a respike, but a second wave in the fall, that this is a seasonal virus. This could all come back in the fall in a big way. And now, what is the league left to do? So we just have to keep our fingers crossed that the, the science keeps advancing, that we find some some good treatments. Dr. Fauci, you know, the most famous doctor in the world right now, Dr. Fauci said, you know, the, a, a therapeutic is probably closer on, along the horizon than a vaccine, which is good news because the vaccine is still months away. But if we could get that, that would be an important step forward. 
and, and I think would make a lot of people feel better about being out in public. Could you go to 50% in stadiums, 30%? Could you try and recoup some revenue and have some people come to these games? I, I think all of the options are on the table right now, and, it, and it's just a matter of following what's going on. You have to follow the numbers. In the places that have done that, you look at New York, you look at California, you look at Washington, you look at other countries, places that follow the numbers have better outcomes. And so the NFL has to be doing that, and, and the numbers can't be that revenue. I know it'd be nice to say, oh yeah, back to back to normal, everyone just go do the thing. That it's not the safe choice, and it's not the choice that the league is going to make. So it's not even worth entertaining at this point. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.